Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I am here with Dawn, Katie, and Lindy. And it's our prayer at Storytellers Live that you would meet God in a new way through these stories, that you would know you aren't alone, and that you can discuss these stories with friends so that walls are broken down and community is built. Y'all are in for a treat with today's story. We have Jenna from Statesboro, Georgia. And we loved her. We laughed. But what I was most excited about is that for a long time, you all have requested a story on singleness. And we have one. And we're thrilled. Katie, tell them about it. And she was just incredible as she shared her story. Um, Jenna's actually, she's 36 years old. And she just talks to us about her life of being single. But all God has taught her, not only about herself, but about Him. And I think whether you're single or you're married, you're going to find this story is going to give you encouragement in trusting God's timing for your life. But also just a sweet reminder of the importance of surrendering our life to God. So here is Jenna. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you all so much for coming. I am so excited to be here and so excited to have an opportunity to share my story. And I'm actually going to start my story off with a little mini story. So about three years ago this time, I was going on a road trip to Charlotte, North Carolina to visit some dear friends. And I was doing, you know, all the normal things that you do, getting ready for a trip. I, you know, something to get gas, had gone to Sonic, um, and I, obviously, um, got to get a drink for the road. And I had pulled out my phone to pull up, you know, GPS to get the direction. So I would know where I was going and also to text my friend to say, hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm getting on the road and I'll be here at, you know, such and such time. So I pulled out the phone, you know, put in her address, got all that information, and I went to text her and um, started typing in, basically trying to say, hey, I'm leaving now and I'll be there at such and such time. But my iPhone or my smartphone, so to speak, did what it loves to do um, best, which is correct words into something that is not the actual word I was trying to say. I actually said the right word, but it wants to change it to the wrong word, I'm not sure that it's ever corrected the wrong word into the right word, but I mean, this is 2020, it's just it's the world we're living in, people. But So I had typed out to her, um, leaving now, and um, the GPS says that I'll be there here at this time. And so I had typed GPS, but it had changed the letters to G-O-D. So instead, it then said, God says I'll be there at such and such a time. <laughs> So I am excited to be here tonight and to share my story, but I'm here to tell you minute one that there's never been a more perfect metaphor um, for my life than that and what my phone corrected for me that day. Um, And it's this, that God determines where I get or when I get to where I'm going. Like many of you, I'm sure that there are a lot of directions that you have wanted your life to take over the years. And if you're anything like me, I'm, I'm that same way. And for me, you know, my life has taken virtually none of them. And tonight I'm going to kind of hone in on a specific path that I have longed to go down my entire life that I have not been able to yet. And that is the path of marriage and motherhood. So at almost 36 years old, I am single, have never been married, and have no kids. But I do want to give like a little spoiler alert up front just to say that like as you listen to my story um, and what it's kind of been like for me to live a life where you're kind of going down one road and passing all the exits that you thought you would take, that it has been God that has ordained this journey. When I was 12, my grandmother wrote me a letter that I later found when I was 34. 
and it was dropping all kind of wisdoms like our grandmother you know likes to do and it was just about life and and that type of thing but it was mostly about Jesus and a life surrendered to him and so one of the lines that stood out to me when I reread it as an adult um, like kind of lit up like blinking lights kind of situation um, she said this she said remember the road does not belong to you and then later in the same letter she advised let Jesus have his way with you forever my story is one of spending a lot of years riding down a road marked by longing and waiting and unfulfilled desires. And then it's also about ultimately how he has transformed or autocorrected, if you will, um, my thinking to show me like the reasons and the purpose behind this amazing road that he has led me down and that he continues to lead me down today. All right, so let me back this up a little bit now, or as I fa our family likes to say, back it up, Terry. Um, so I mentioned that my story has a big theme of waiting, but the real hero in the room tonight is actually, um, in relation to waiting, is actually my mama, because she once had a baby due on February 29th, who did not make an appearance until March the 20th. So that's 20 days for anyone that's like me and is like never planning to do math in their head. So autographs, yeah, autographs are her after the show. But I've actually always really loved that part of my story, mainly because I think it's hilarious, hilarious, although I'm sure she's still not laughing, that I had this, like, life marked by waiting, and, like, I even had to wait to be born. Like, it started there. <laughs> I was born on 320 um, into a wonderful family. I have two extremely loving, giving, supportive, um, hilarious parents. And they've always provided us with an amazing life filled with love and support and stability. And I'm honestly not going to talk too much about them tonight, but it is really important for me to say that everything I'm going to share tonight, every single part of my story is anchored in and completely because of their love and that stability. Um, so when I did finally make it out, um, I joined my... <laughs> I joined my older brother, Matthew, who I hear really loved me at first and then not quite as much as I really excelled at being like the like quintessential little sister. So during our growing up years, but I'm happy to say that that was short lived and we have a great tight knit relationship. He's an amazing brother and I absolutely adore him. And just when I thought I couldn't love him anymore, he introduced me to a girl named Larson Pound, who would later be named Larson Tyson. So he just thought he was marrying her, but he did not know that I was planning to take her as my best friend, which I have done successfully. She is the perfect addition to our whole family and is a sister in every sense of the word. And so she and Matthew both are just continual gifts to me. They have since given me the most perfect gifts. My six-year-old, almost six-year-old tomorrow, um, niece, Laura Kate, and my literally perfect Hoke, nephew Hoke, who is two. And I will be sharing more on them later, so don't worry about that. So as mentioned, I also had very involved and influential grandparents in my life, as well as you know, wonderful extended family and a large collection of just you know, friends and community along the way. So if you're anything like me, as a kid, you probably had some type of vision for what you thought your life would look like when you grew up. And my mom recently found an old journal of mine from the fifth grade that gives a little insight into how early I started dreaming about my future. And this wasn't like a diary. This was like, you know, you come into class and like you have to pull your journal out and there's like a prompt on the board and you have to like answer and practice writing. The prompt that day was my future. First line, when I grow up, I want to get married and raise a family. So I was actually also very specific that I wanted two girls and one boy. I also wanted to be a veterinarian, which didn't we all when we were 10, <laughs> 1995. 
Um, and I ended with I wanted to drive a Jeep, so who knows. So really, please no one tell that little chubby-cheeked Genebabe that, you know, literally 100% of those plans have fallen through. Like nothing has <laughs> happened within that. I'm cool and fine with the veterinarian part and the Jeep part. That's all fine. But at 35, I can say that I do still have the desire to be married and have a family. And as a single girl at 35 who's been wanting to have a husband and kids since the fifth grade, I can also say that if those are the plans that the Lord has for me, He has definitely taken me the long way around to get to there. Um, and at 20 and 25 and 30, and even up until a few years ago, I don't know that I could have said what I'm about to say in, re in regards to that route and that timeline that He has chosen. But I can say that sitting here pushing 36, I can genuinely say that I am so glad that he has taken me the long way around and that he has given me the gift of waiting. So I went about formulating this story in a lot of different ways and anyone that has shared, and we have some in the room that have, you know, you kind of just start throwing stuff out there and kind of hash it out and see what, what stays. But I will say what ended up happening with it, you know, God definitely GPSed this if we want to go back to the, the GPS situation. So I know he's leading me to share some of what it's been like to be single for all of these years. Um, but most of all, I just want to share and talk about all the ways that I've seen him use my waiting. And so the first thing that he has done in my waiting is has he's built my faith. So growing up, God was definitely a character in our story. You know, it was certainly agreed upon that that there was a God and we believed in him, but I wouldn't say that Jesus was like the main character in our story. I would say that he is in our family now, but back then it was just your typical, you know, go to church sometimes, sometimes not, you know, do the right thing, be good people, love one another. So it was definitely like a God adjacent life, if you will. Um, but the why behind all of it wasn't necessarily because we were trusting God, you know, every aspect of our life and actions. So with that being said, though, I did grow up in church and I did have like increased involvement in middle school, high school. My parents, of course, always encouraged it and I really just enjoyed it. I was just kind of like a good kid, you know, I loved my friends, loved being with people, loved kind of being a part of something. So church itself was a natural fit for me. And I did walk down the, to the front when I was probably pinning this fifth grade memoir about that time. But I know it's probably a lot of people can say, you know, I didn't fully understand what it meant at that time. And so while my faith was really in the beginning stages, God definitely used those years to set some kind of foundational truths. So one truth in particular actually stemmed from a conversation that I had in high school with one of our youth group's college interns. And so we were coming back from a trip, you know, just like a day trip somewhere, riding in a van, and I was sitting up front, and we were just talking like about life and random stuff and little God stuff mixed in here and there. During one of the more kind of God-centered parts of the conversation, he introduced me to a concept that I had never really thought about before. So we'd been talking about God and believing in Him, and he said, Jenna, there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. And now I'm really not even sure like where my like car keys are right now, but all these many years later, I have never forgotten that. Like it stuck with me for the long haul. So yes, it was one thing to say, you know, God's real, but believing him to be who he said he was and to believe that he had a plan for my life and it could be trusted no matter what happened, um, that was a whole different ballgame to me. And so that was really just kind of the beginning of me having a deeper understanding of just faith in general. I definitely did not fully grasp it at that moment as a high schooler, 
but that seed was definitely dropped and amongst many other ones during high school, but it would continue to grow. So high school came and went, and in the fall of 2002, I started college at Georgia Southern, go Eagles. I absolutely love my college experience. I love Georgia Southern. I love the people God brought into my life during those years. I even loved getting that good old psychology degree that I would never use when I graduated. Good times. But if the seeds of faith had been planted in my heart during those years leading up to college, I can definitely look back now and say that once I got to college, even though I loved it so much and had such great experience, that some different seeds started to also take root. And those are the seeds of longing and discontentment. So as you know, you know, college is where people kind of start pairing off, right? And people always laugh about girls going to college to get their, like, their MRS degree. Have you heard that? Like their Mrs. degree. And I feel like people, like, make fun of that. Like, that, they say it in a judgmental way. But I'm here to tell you, I was here for that. Um, I could have gone for that situation. Um, I'm like, I'm not saying it was, like, the reason I went to college. I'm just saying if there have been classes, like, you know, sign me up. Um, so naturally... <laughs> The kind of the pairing off started to happen in our group as well. And I actually remember, uh, I think it was probably like spring semester of our sophomore year, that it was Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day was coming up and everyone was single. So we decided to go like get a big group together and go down to Savannah and have dinner, um, get dressed up. And we called it Sad Day, so Singles Awareness Day, which is kind of a thing now, but I promise at that moment, like we thought we had made that up. Like we called it Sad Day. I honestly think I made it up. I mean, to be honest, you know. Um, anyway, so we decided to do that. We went down to Savannah, had so much fun. You know, vow we will do this every year. This is the best. This, you know, it's this Valentine's Day tradition, you know, sad day for life kind of thing. Well, by the time Valentine's Day rolled around the next year, guess who was the only person that was left single? Um, so that was the end of sad day for them. Um <laughs> So now that was not traumatic by any reason or, you know, by any means or, you know, didn't go into like a deep despair or depression at that time. It just started to set the stage for desiring a timeline on something that was clearly not God's timeline for that same thing. But for the most part, you know, I wasn't in a full-blown panic, maybe like a little minor panic, but that would continue to grow as the years, you know, went by and the desire to meet someone simultaneously grew as that desire also went unmet at the same time. But for the most part, it was fine. You know, I wasn't ever alone besides Saturday. Um, but the rest of the time, I was surrounded by a really tight-knit group of people, girls and guys, people that were just running hard after Jesus. And But like in the like real kind of way, like the messy, authentic, like we don't know what we're doing. We have so many doubts and fears, but like let's figure this out together kind of way. And so that was hugely impactful. And at the cornerstone of my faith building experience in high school was the conversation about believing God. Then the cornerstone in my college years stemmed from a verse in John that was really an ongoing topic um, within our group and within our you know, college ministry and something that our college minister talked about a lot. And it, so it was in college that I was really introduced to the verse John 10, 10, which says, um, and Jesus says, the thief comes to seek, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. So I really started to see in those years that not only could God be believed and trusted with his plan for my life, but that his ultimate plan for me was, a, was good. You know, it was for an abundant life, for a full life. He was already showing me that through my singleness in those early years that an abundant life didn't mean that you would get everything that you wanted, clearly. Um, or you would get everything else that everyone else seemed to be getting. 
Um, that being said, it was obviously still very hard. Um, it was kind of a messy time inside, just trying to, you know, kind of work through that to kind of figure out um, those feelings and emotions and questions that were related to my singleness. The enemy, as it says in that verse, was definitely doing his work to kind of confuse me on some of that. But I was learning that an abundant life really was one that was going to come from trusting his plan. So when I was preparing for all of this, I actually came across something that I wrote in college, and it's actually my list of qualities I wanted in a husband. Um, and y'all wrote this on Christmas day, 2006. So I guess I really took that whole Christmas list situation pretty seriously, but I guess, I mean, are we supposed to mail this to someone? I don't know. I guess that part I missed. How does this work? So I'm not going to read all of this because that is super embarrassing, but there is a portion in like, you can tell I have always loved to write, but there's a portion in, it's like the intro to the list. And I was, when I was you know, kind of getting ready for this, this kind of randomly came across. I just found it somewhere. But I feel like it really fits perfectly to show how God was already starting to build my faith through my singleness in those years. So at 22, I wrote this, not to Santa, but to God. Um, and I said this. I said, I desire a family and a love I have not yet experienced. I'm not sure if that is on the road God has for me, but I hope it is. I know that that hope and dream is planted within me, and I pray that I will be in tune enough with God to know if that is what He wants for me. I know He wants me to have a life better than I ever even even dreamed, and I put my faith in Him. So little did I know that I was just starting, <laughs> 22, I was just starting on that long way around journey, but He would continue to build my faith you know, each step along the way. So the second thing that this whole waiting situation has taught me is that He will make a way. So when I pinned that list, by that time, I was out of college. I was at UGA. Um, I'd moved to Athens trying to get, I didn't know if they did like MRS degrees in graduate school. Like where are they, where do these, where do you find these? Um, but during those grad school years, a few things happened. Number one, and most important, I got to live in the city with Target. <laughs> the second part is I ended up getting yet another degree that I would technically never use. And then, like in college, I met some really great people, yeah, made some, some great memories. And then lastly, during this time, every person that I'd ever met in my entire life got engaged, literally everyone. So this started out slow, but then all of a sudden, we're like rolling into this 27 dresses situation. Things were really starting to escalate. And so this was like whole new territory because gone were the days of like the yearly, you know, sad day, the yearly Valentine's Day situation. This was engagement rings and Facebook announcements and showers and showers and showers, so, so many showers. It was expensive bridesmaids dresses and traveling every other weekend to engagement parties and wedding after wedding after wedding. Always been really hard for me to describe like my feelings during that time because I generally was so happy for all of my people. You know, I mean, I wanted them to be happy, you know, really a lot of my friends that were getting married were like the guy and the girl were the friend, you know, so it was just, it was a very exciting, very happy time, but it was just so hard because, you know, I was so overjoyed for everyone else getting married. Everyone else's happiness was like this huge spotlight on this thing that I so desperately wanted, but didn't have. And, you know, there was just no way of knowing when or if this would happen. And so I started to feel like there was no way that it ever could happen. So it just started to feel impossible. And I did not, thankfully, for whatever reason, doubt his love for me during that time. But I was just sad and disappointed and a little bit panicky that his plan, again, wasn't following my timeline. And I felt 
lonely because it felt like everyone else was like off to the races and I was just at the starting line and people were just like laughing, you know, left and right, just laughing at me. But what I wish I could do is like, just go back to that girl and just hug her, like just give her a little hug. Um, because what she didn't know is that 14 years later, she would still be right there in relation to marriage and motherhood and everyone else would just be laughing her. Um, but I would also tell her, because I can assure you that would have gone over like a lead balloon, um, that, girl, it is not a matter of starting line, finish line, because there are a lot of tracks out there, and God has one specifically for you. So what was my track? Well, God used the next chunk of years to really start to show me the past that he had for me. And this is where he really began to show me that while sometimes it felt like getting to that next mile marker was impossible, that he was about to teach me some things about who is really running this, this whole show. So I graduated from UGA in 2008, which, side note, was a great year to need a job. And I moved back home and moved to Statesboro, moved back in with my parents. And I did eventually find a job and began working. And I worked at it was a local um, drug and alcohol hospital. It's an amazing facility, but I'm pretty sure that I realized on about day two that I had signed up for a pretty wild ride that I really did not want to take. Um, but didn't have much choice at that point, and I was definitely right. It did not prove to be a great fit, but it would be about two and a half years before there would be a change. So during that two and a half years, I, I was pretty miserable. I wasn't married like I hoped I would be. I wasn't using these degrees um, like I wanted to, and I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Plus... I didn't have an experience doing anything because I had gone college, grad school, and now I was doing this. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do. There were no opportunities, and I didn't have an experience. So it was not a great combination of things to make any type of moves or to move forward. So while I didn't want to be working there, I really didn't see, like, how it could ever change. But as he does, God made a way. So in 2011, I returned to my beloved Georgia Southern, and this time as a staff member, and I started a job that I really would absolutely love and would really be kind of this catalyst for this kind of crazy career trajectory that I would end up on. That can show you I did not see coming. So kind of side flash forward to that. I now work in the aerospace company or aerospace um, business, business aviation in HR. So again, that's like a whole nother storytellers for a different day, but that did, that did happen. But it all started from that Georgia Southern job. So back to 2014. So, you know, during that time and in that job, I met great people. I really enjoyed working with the students. And, you know, by that time, things were going pretty good, except for that part where I was still single, still living with my parents, and was coming dangerously close to 30. So emotions were extremely high during that time. And if, like, a mild panic had plagued my 20s, I can tell you by the time I was getting close to 30 that things had really escalated. And just, I mean, you know how it is. Like, it's just such a, feels like such a big mile marker. And thought of facing that 30th birthday, the way that things were, just kind of took me to a, to a weird place. So my overriding emotion during that time really was just desperation. Not like, I'll marry anyone. I'm desperate. Like, not that, th that direction, thank goodness. But just that feeling of, you know, how is any of this, like, ever going to change? Clearly, finding someone to date, much less marry, felt impossible. But also, you know, moving out felt very overwhelming. I'd never planned or wanted to buy a house alone. I mean, I didn't even have plates of my own. 
you know, I would think, you know, don't, don't things break? Like when you have a house, like I don't even have tools. Like, what are we doing here? Not to mention even bigger than those things that any house that I could afford wouldn't really have been in a safe enough place for a single person living alone that did not really desire to get kidnapped. And so, but it did take then about eight months, but on February 18th of 2014, which was a little over a month before my 30th birthday, I closed on a house that will forever be one of the biggest reminders of how much God is in the waymaking business. So kind of like Cliff's Notes version on the house. Um, I found this little duplex in a safe little neighborhood. So that was need number one that was met. Um, and it was owned by like an older British couple who were selling their home to move back to London. So the reason that part is important is because they had priced very low in order to sell. Like they were just trying to get out of here. So that was needing, obviously, need number two. Additionally, because they were leaving the country and going back to, like, they had a home in London, so they were they were going back to their home there. Um, they had planned to pack pretty light and basically were just heading out with, like, the clothes on their back and their suitcase. So they left virtually everything they owned behind in that house. So you guessed it. We had plates. <laughs> we had tools. I had two toolboxes at that point. Furniture, TVs, a vacuum. Now, the vacuum was 100 years old and would later catch on fire, but it's the thought that counts. Various other things like pots and pans, a lawnmower, ladders, and pretty much anything that someone would need when they were moving into a house or starting a home. They even left their, like, framed pictures on the wall. Now, granted, it was like cross-stitchings of cats, but still, again, I sold them on Facebook. Like, you know, it, everything that they had wouldn't necessarily have been my choosing, but I was able to redirect and, and get my own stuff. So it was just, again, it was him making a way where it literally felt like there was no way. And he had also gone so above and beyond by providing this kind of like ready-made house to come into, knowing that I was doing it on my own and, you know, didn't have shower after shower. When, you know, when you move into a house, a lot of times you, you've gotten those things. And so he made that way for me and provided in that way. And so there were two verses that he made really come alive during that time and during that house experience. And one that was a little bit newer to me and then one that I had really clung to for a while that suddenly became very real. And the first was Colossians 1.17 and the second was Ephesians 3.20 through 3.21. So the first in Colossians said, um, again, Colossians 1.17, it says, He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And the second, Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. So when you're in kind of this prolonged state of waiting, like singleness, things can really start to feel just kind of dire. Again, kind of that panicky feeling. And as the years go on, you know, engagement announcements turn into baby announcements, and then baby announcements turn into second baby announcements. And it can really feel like anything changing, ever changing, is impossible. But what God showed me through those work experience, you know, leading up to that point, and then definitely in the years to come, um, and definitely in the purchasing of the house, you know, that was him showing me, like, I'm, I am running this show. And he's behind the scenes, and he's sorting out all the details, and he's the one that can provide exactly what I need. And so nothing is impossible for him. We know that. Um, but that he's good and he is out for my good and he's going to go above and beyond to get me to that point. Um, and those statements, you know, that he's good, nothing's impossible, that didn't happen because 
I got the house. They're not true because of that. They're true because he's God and he is the one that's going to make a way and he loves me. And, and whether it's a house or a husband or whatever may come in the future, um, I know through those experiences that he will make a way. All right. So another huge, huge thing that God taught me through my singleness and waiting is that it's not about me. While that is sometimes kind of a hard pill to swallow, can tell y'all that this is where it is about to get so sweet. Because on March 13th, 2014, one week before my 30th birthday, the Lord completely flipped the script on me. And he did so by sending, I'm not even the car in my family, by the way. Look alive over here. And my dad, wherever he is, he's probably starting to cry. He doesn't even know why. Um, <laughs> so he's, God sent us the sweetest, cutest, baldest, most precious little baby girl, my niece, Laura Kate. And it's pretty much impossible for me to describe how becoming her aunt impacted my life. Um, it's another story that is full of a million other little stories and details about the sweetness that comes just in general when a child, you know, choice of family. Ooh, this is not going to be good. This, we're just starting here. Okay. Um, but in relation to my singleness, God used Laura Kate's presence in a really profound way. So I'm going to try to read this. Okay, so here's what I wrote on Instagram for her third birthday. And it says, Three years ago today, she set our lives into motion. Oh, gosh. Um, this beautiful, smart, hilarious, darling beyond belief baby means so much to so many. For me, she made the question, do you have any kids, easier to answer. Not because she was mine, but because she came in and gave perspective and purpose to the gaps where I thought mine would be. Before her, having to answer the question, no, not yet, would quietly devastate me. After her, I'm now loudly reminded of the time he's given me to intimately know and love her and to remember that it's not just my story he's writing, it's also hers. I hope she'll always know how thankful I am that he decided she should have three years and counting of being the sole obsession of this love-crazed aunt. Um, so I realized that for so many years, all I saw were the gaps in my life because of being single. But in those years, what I realized is that those gaps weren't just about me. So where I saw gaps in my story, you know, where it felt like there was these wide gaping holes, God had planned opportunities for abundance. And not just me and my abundance, I realized that I got to be a part of Laura Kate's abundance and later Hope's abundance. Their unique opportunity to have an aunt that's really obsessed, y'all, it's really, it's hitting, a, it's hit a level. <laughs> um, it's been help. Um, but to have an aunt that was obsessed with them and could be there in their lives in such a present way and a way that just would have looked differently if I had had my own family. Um, it's also an opportunity to be a different kind of daughter and sister and friend and employee, um, to be there for people in unique ways that I wouldn't have been able to if it was in a different stage of life. Because of my singleness, I've been given the opportunity to go down professional paths. Again, the story, I mean, I'm basically a rocket scientist at this point. <laughs> never would have gone down and I've gotten the chance to meet and do life and hopefully impact people that I never would have met if life had turned out the way that I thought I wanted. So when I started to lean into this idea that God had not left me out um, but that he had set me apart for my good and for the good of others, everything started to change. 
So I started to see my focus literally shift from my unfulfilled desires and my story to all the ways that he was using me to fulfill the specific plans for his greater story. Got through that one. That was, that was the big one. So as I've said, um, or let me say this. So lastly, kind of the last thing that he taught me, um, we, he used is that my waiting has given me an opportunity to grow closer with him, which is for his ultimate glory. So as I've said, for whatever reason, I really never had a problem believing that God had a plan for me, like this bigger picture plan. I always understood and accepted that. Um, but what I realized over the years was that I was never fully surrendered to that plan. Uh, maybe some people find it more natural to surrender, or maybe if you know things had kind of gone the way that I had planned, it would have been easier to submit. But as much as I loved God, um, I held my plan with a really firm grip. And it took me a long time, like within the last couple of years or the last year, kind of long time, to wholeheartedly say that I would be okay if I never got married. And for me, that type of surrender was born out of that waiting and out of that suffering. Because through that suffering, I was able to draw near to him. Or probably more accurately, he drew me into himself. And I just got to know him and to really know him in a much more intimate way, in a way that for me, I just may not have able to been able to experience um, if all the things I thought I wanted had happened when I thought I wanted them to happen. Because all alone in those walls within that sweet little house, we got tight, he and I. He gave me a love for his word as I sat on the couch and searched for answers to all the questions. He gave me time and space and quiet that I may not have had um, so I could hone in on his voice. I walked or ran around like the one little road on my in my neighborhood, my tiny safe little neighborhood. Um, he put podcasts in my ears or sermons or just, you know, all the things that I would need to hear. And on those more lonely nights, he reminded me of all I had to be thankful for. Um, and he gave me those intimate moments that were just the two of us. He helped me understand that while I thought I was longing for, or what I thought I was longing for was a husband and kids to fill those empty gaps was actually a longing for him. And that as most people do, I was trying to fill the place in my heart with all the things that I wanted. And God used my many years of waiting and longing and desperation to show me that he had clearly planted dreams and callings and desires within me, but my hope was not in my marital status or my motherhood status. That my only hope was in Jesus, and praise God, I already have him. Do I still desire a husband? Absolutely. I encourage you to join the team to find him. <laughs> There's a sign-up table in the back. Just kidding. Um, but when I allowed God to change my perspective, he truly started to transform my thinking. And when I no longer focused on the gaps, it really opened up the gates to this life of, of surrendering to his plan. And when we're surrendered to his plan, he gets all the glory. I have not done it right. I don't do it right all the time. I actually probably screw it up more often than I don't. But I know that that is true now. And in fact, it looks like I already knew this. I mean, all the things we apparently know and forget. But back in 2006, when I pinned my list, although it would take 14 years to really work it out in my heart and mind. And so here's another little portion from that list that I read earlier. And... Again, I don't think I even fully understand what I wrote this, but he would know that I would need this reminder 14 years later. And he said this, or I said this, 
I'm not sure what God has in store for me. I do know that He gives us distinct and unique personalities and hearts that desire great things. First and foremost, a desire to be like Him and glorify Him in the process. But He also plants desires deep within us, and by seeking and following after Him, we will be given the desires of our heart, not because we desire them or because they are the goal for which we press on to obtain, but because by racing toward God, we will begin to realize the wonderful, amazing roads He wants us to take. And on those roads lie all the hopes and dreams we never even imagined were possible for us. On those roads are the desires of our heart. So like I said, I do not do that right all the time. I still have unmet desires and very sad days and things that I hold on to. And there are surely more hard times and heartache to come. But I have learned that a surrendered life is an immeasurably more life. And I'm so glad to know that his ways are better and that his desires for us are better. Now, my grandmother, Graham, Iris, was right when she wrote me that letter. She said, the road does not belong to me. And she was right. And I'm so glad because his roads are better. And I'll take him over a GPS any day. Um, and I can confidently and genuinely say now that I wouldn't trade one minute of my singleness, of my waiting, if it meant I had to exchange it for knowing him the way that I do. And I really do love him so much. And I'm so glad to let him have his way with me forever. Well, how hard did everybody laugh? <laughs> I think we all found some humor. Oh, and we're able to really laugh right now. But there was really a ton to take away at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that just kept sticking out to me was waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, she's talking about waiting for a husband and waiting as a single woman in her mid-30s. But, I mean, we're all waiting on something. Mm-hmm. You may be waiting on a spouse. You may be waiting to become a mom and have children. You may, you know, everybody's yeah. waiting for for something in their life. And so I just, I loved all the takeaways that there was to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminded me of just something that I'm always sharing with my friends. And some of my friends may even be sitting there now saying, Oh, she said this to me a million times, (laughs) (laughs) but just to like take these things, these desires of our heart that aren't occurring right now. And just to put them in our Moses basket and Mm -hmm. sell it down the river Mm -hmm. and allow God's timing to take care of that. And he, does it, it's true he does give us the desires of our heart and just the waiting is where we get stronger mm. to where we can handle what he's giving us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes and those strong words of her grandmother saying in that letter the road does not belong to you um and she even kept coming back to that and you know we we all tried to to uh tend our road. We, we want to control the road. We want to control the path, whether it's for us or people in our family or whatever. But, you know, for her just to come back to the road does not belong to you and trusting God yeah. as the leader of your GPS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were so many spiritual takeaways yes. for me. I mean, you know, and Dawn, um, thinking about, you know, what you're saying about putting it in the Moses basket. I mean, you think about what God did with the Moses basket. I mean, really, his mom was just trying to save his life. And look what God did. And then it goes back to what she said, that in him, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And I just think, you know, sometimes we try to control things or we think we know what's best for, for our lives. And only he is the one who knows what's best. And then it goes back to the very first thing she said at the beginning of her story was one of the truths that God taught her. 
I think it was when she was in high school, was do you believe in God or do you believe God? Yeah, you and said that before. I yes. always go back to that. It was yep. it was actually a Beth Moore Bible study oh. years ago called Believe. That? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It was called Believe in God. And I remember when I heard that, I was just it was like light bulbs went off mm-hmm. of I'm I'm believing in God in this situation. I'm not believing God's word. And I think as as Christians, you know, we have to constantly ask ourselves, you know, am I believing in God in this situation or am I believing God? Am I believing that his plan is better than the one that I have in my head? And I'm going to tell you, I mean, Jenna, thank you because God has given you so much spiritual wisdom Absolutely, because yes. you've mm-hmm. had that time to really dig in and lean into him and all of us are benefiting from it. Yes, so thank I'm, you. I loved it when she said, I really realized that what I was longing for was him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did a Bible study with, uh, through Julie Sparkman, who a lot of you know, and she, Julie. Yes, <laughs> and she Julie. Uh, reminds us to take the picture out of our picture mm-hmm. frame, the picture that we have created of what our life is supposed to look like. And so take that out and allow God to create that picture for us. And, you know, towards the end of her story, she talks about how up until her niece and nephew were were born, all she had seen was the gaps in her life and seeing the negative and seeing what was missing. And then God shifted her perspective. And again, kind of going back to the waiting or the longing for something that we don't have, how many times do we miss what God's put right in front of us? Because we're looking at the gaps. We're looking at what's missing. It was so good. I I mean, it's you bringing that up, Robin, um, just talks even more into allowing God to work through us. And we, we don't even know what that fruit is going to be. Like she probably, you know, 15 years ago when she was, you know, really wanting that husband in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that she's done in those 15 years and the fruit that she's she's born from that mm-hmm. is probably she won't even know till she gets to heaven for everything she's been able to pour people she's been able to pour into because she mm-hmm. didn't have a husband and she was mm-hmm. able to pour more into other people around her. So it was just really, really good mm-hmm. and relatable. Yeah. Yes. So thank you, Jenna. We we hope that y'all enjoyed this story as much as we did and share it with your friends. We always love to hear when our stories are passed along and um, and we'd love to hear back from you. So if God really spoke to you through this story, please reach out to us. You can email us through our website at storytellerslive.org or you can find us on social media at Storytellers Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Shoot us a message or a DM. We check those, we respond. We love to, um, we love to interact and just hear what you think of these. And thanks so much for listening and And we will talk to you all next week. Bye.